Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We have an exciting 40-point outing by the Ravens to a measling 14 by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We protected this house. They saw us at the bank, and they left the bank sad. They left with no money. Their bank accounts were empty, and uh, felt good. That game went, I think, exactly as we expected, which hasn't always been the case the past couple weeks uh, when going into these games, whether it was a shootout against Cleveland that we weren't expecting or, you know, an unfortunate loss to the Patriots. This one actually, you know, if you you listen to our score predictions, we were pretty close with what was going to happen as far as game total and and final score, and our predictions were pretty close too. It was... uh, it's been a little bit since we've had a game like this. Yeah, it was nice for for the Ravens to go in and do exactly what we expected, which is take care of business at home, get another win, stay in the thick of the playoff race. You know, unfortunately, still the other games that, that went on that weekend, you know, didn't help the Ravens at all, and, and they're still on the outside looking in if the season ended today. But I'm, I'm sure Harbaugh has kind of got his guys all set and, and that like, look, we just got to win our games and, and hopefully everything will fall out in our favor and we can have a chance. So it's, you know, man, it was just super unfortunate. I had somebody, I had somebody today tell me like, oh, I'm sure you're happy that the Patriots didn't make the playoffs. And I'm like, no, actually I'm really upset because the Dolphins didn't lose. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was, a, it was a mixed emotion, right? Because I was like, oh, yeah. is doing decent. Like, that's cool. And then I was like, oh, wait, I, I, A, I'm out of that league. B, <laughs> I don't want Tua to be doing good. <laughs> Throw a pick. <laughs> and like you said, like the knee jerk reaction is like, oh, Patriots lose love it i don't care who did it oh the team i wanted to lose never mind but hey there actually is some hope in week 15 this week as long as the Bengals tonight can beat the steelers which we've seen crazier things this year like the jets blowing their first round first overall pick yesterday to the rams if they do that tonight we'll be dancing in the streets because then the ravens control their destiny i think the i didn't know that that made the Ravens force their own destiny. I just thought basically if the Steelers lost, it would give the Browns more to play for and the Steelers more to play for. And so they would play harder because the Colt, the, uh, sorry, the Steelers next two games are the Colts and the Browns. And so if they win this game, basically I think the Steelers won the division. And so there's, you know, the only thing they have to play for is seeding, right? But it doesn't change the fact that the Ravens base, the Ravens need someone to lose. They either need the Colts to lose a game, they need the Browns to lose a game, they need Miami to lose a game, or the Titans to lose two games, and then the Ravens have to basically win out. And if, if they don't win out, there are some other scenarios to make it happen. But I, I don't think a, a loss by the Steelers tonight changes anything about the Ravens. It changes the percentages, but it doesn't change whether they're in their own destiny. right? So here's where I think it, it might makes sense not necessarily from a mathematical perspective but it's it's in making that week 17 game between pittsburgh and cleveland making pittsburgh have to play for something in that game right because we need cleveland's one of the teams who we just need one of these teams to lose a game or for tennessee to lose two games like chris just said but yeah a lot of these matchups we can go through them it's it's like a lot of these games are gimmies but if if pittsburgh has to beat Cleveland. Pittsburgh probably will beat Cleveland because they have a better roster. But if Pittsburgh doesn't have anything to play, they're likely going to play their backups and Cleveland will probably win. So from that perspective, I can get it because then if if Pittsburgh has to try, they probably beat Cleveland, which if the Ravens win their last two games, would get them in. Right. I don't even feel like that's a given though. But yeah, I mean, 
Sure. I No, I didn't say it, it's a given. I just said it's yeah, more I, likely I, I, that I Pittsburgh would win in that case. <laughs> I just wish it wasn't like this. It's still so frustrating. Uh you, you've hit it, man. Yeah, the last year was awesome. It was like we caught we you know, we clinched it in like what, week 13 or something? Like, it was really early. We didn't have to worry about anything. Sure, but not even from that perspective. Like, I just feel like we're a better team. I mean, we could end up being the five seed. We could be the number one wildcard team uh, if things play out as mm-hmm. as actually, like, quote-unquote, expected. Like, it would not be a surprise for us to be the five speed, which is ridiculous. And we're outside looking in. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Come on. It's yeah, it's one of those things, man. Where just like if the Ravens had, had put a better performance up against you know the Titans in overtime or Patriots. that New England game, you yeah. know that was just so frustrating. Or even you know pretty much any game but the Chiefs game this year, like the Ravens were in, like they had a chance to win, but they couldn't pull it out. And yeah, it's just it sucks to just have that many losses, but you know that's kind of where they're at right now. As long as they make the playoffs, I don't even care though because I think this is like really sharpening them. I think this is overall a good thing. It's just frustrating as a fan base, and I imagine very frustrating for the team. It's a good thing as long as it works out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like the Ravens The Ravens will either win the Super Bowl this year or miss the playoffs. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it, it does feel like a, a magical year, though, in a way. like Similar to last year, from a magic standpoint, completely different in execution. But it's like, if the Ravens can sneak their way in quote unquote sneak at like an 89% chance to make the playoffs at this point. But if they can sneak their way in, if someone helps them out and they find their way in, I think they have as good a chance as anybody barring maybe uh, the chiefs of making a run. And Hey, let's start talking about this game and how we're getting these confident feels. We know it was the Jacksonville Jaguars, but like we pointed out, they haven't been a total slouch against good opponents and they have a little bit of talent on this team. We actually even saw their first round draft pick, um, the defensive lineman that his name is escaping me actually make a couple plays and play maybe one of his best games of his youngest career. So we can see how these pieces are starting to come together for them, but overall still a very disappointing season for them. The Shazon, that Chazon. guy. Yeah, Shazon. Yeah, yeah, him. Kalavon. Oh gosh, I shouldn't actually try and, try and pronounce this I tried name. last week and it was really hard. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. I, I think I thought it was Chase on. Yeah, Chase on. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were talking CJ Henderson. Chason. Like he didn't play. No, no, CJ Henderson <laughs> didn't. Uh, but Chase on did. But um, I think it was one of those classic like doesn't really show up in the stat sheet kind of things. I definitely heard his name a couple times on the broadcast for right. like being being a contributing factor to something. Ah. Um, but nevertheless, see that's why I didn't know that he did anything because I'm still. Watching the games on mute to not we gotta disturb get, we gotta get you some nap headphones, cycles. Man. We gotta get your headphones. Did I, I? You know, I, I should. I should get. I don't have a pair of Bluetooth headphones, but I should get them for for that case. Oh my gosh! Yeah, totally. It would be a game changer because it's nice to hear the commentary a little bit. It does help sometimes. Depends on the announcing team, but I mean, a lot of regardless. times, are, a lot of times it's so bullshit. <laughs> but like, just for like names, right? <laughs> yes, really for right. for names. Yeah, sometimes it's a blur of numbers or you don't even see someone's numbers. It's hard, especially on defense, to 100% know who made the play. But, man, oh, man, do we want to start with defense this week? We could start with either. But the defense, I think, because the offense had basically as good of a performance this week as they did last week. But the defense, I think, had their best performance of the season. We talked about how if the Ravens' uh, pass rush couldn't, put up against this Jacksonville offensive line. Just forget about it. So only one sack over the previous two weeks. They had five on Sunday, including some guys who don't usually get sacks got in there. You had 
Derek Wolf got a sack. We've talked about how he's usually a run stuffer. Uh, and half of Alex Bowl prediction, I don't know if we want to, do we want to say you hit it because Calais didn't suit up, but we did get two sacks finally for Ngakwe. I adjusted it before the game saying three for Ngakwe. And uh, I know Chris mentioned that maybe I should get it because he got the fumble too, but I mean, it's a moral victory. Let's call it that because I'm not going to win this year's Bowl predictions. And we haven't been keeping that close to track, to be honest. So, like, it's fine. I think Chris and I are tied at two, although Chris got his this week, so now Chris has three. Yes! <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about if I got mine when we get to the offense. I, I, I have a case to put up for mine, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, no, the defense had a great, a great week, man. I mean, starting out with that safety, that was a really nice sack by Judon basically blew right by the tight end. I really like that play too because I think it's it's showcasing some of Justin Matabuke. And uh, I've been seeing a little bit more film, some some guys on YouTube analyzing uh, some of his play. And I tell you what, man, he's going to be a good player. I, I hope he continues to progress because uh, for me, I thought he really set up that play because he kind of made a move to uh, crash into the tackle and the guard. Two of those guys went for him. Judon was able to get around the tight end, and it was a perfect matchup. Judon could win that matchup every t- every single time, and he did, and he got the safety. It was a great way to start the game. But Nagakwe, man, he, uh, he was also another guy who just who showed up really well and uh, yeah, came out with those two sacks and then a forced fumble. I thought he had a really good game as well. I saw on his first sack, it, I believe it was coming off the, the the right side of the offensive line. He had a sick spin move. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw, remembered seeing that, but he had people on spin move there, and that was basically the difference between him getting to the quarterback and not. And I feel like we haven't seen him do too much of that. Usually he's just, you know, head down and, and just tries to purely power through the tackle. But maybe doing um, mixing it up a bit for him will help him down the line and getting some more sacks week to week. I've actually, I feel like I've seen his spin moves a few times before. I just haven't seen him actually break away from a tackle. You know, it was one of those things that like in the past couple of games, I, I like, I've seen him throw it out there, but it would just seem like the tackle would just anchor and know that like, okay, he's spinning this way. Let me adjust it kind of this way. And he, he would just never get around guys. Or if he did, you know, the quarterback would just throw it away yeah, um, or, or make a quick completion. But yeah, it, you know, whatever he was doing this week against those uh, Jags tackles, it was working. Yeah, it definitely looked good and it felt great to see that he finally had that. It was a great teachable moment. Rachel was watching the game. I got to explain a safety to her because uh, she missed Friday or uh, she missed Monday night's game, so she wasn't able to learn about that safety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, I was like, these don't happen often. And I was explaining <laughs> the, the whole situation. But yeah, the overall four man pass rush this game was better. And that's awesome, particularly considering that Campbell didn't play. I think we saw some really good signs from Matabuke. Wolf is a dog. Like, he's been doing great work. And I uh, I guess as we're talking about the defense, I want to give this overall take. I honestly want to shut down Campbell, and I want to shut down Peters. And I kind of just want to, like, let everyone get healthy. And if Peters is totally healthy, I guess I'll say he can play just to, like, not get rusty. But for a guy like Campbell, I'm kind of like, you know what? Get well, man. I know you had a hard bout with COVID. You had a difficult injury to recover from. I don't know if we necessarily need him the next two games, and I'd rather not rush him back. Like he definitely looked like if he was going to play this week, he'd been fifty percent again, right? And I don't want—I don't think there's a point to, to rushing him out at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that, especially when you look at the next two opponents the Ravens have. Their offenses are putrid. Um, we'll get to it when we talk about the the Giants game next episode, but. 
what you're really concerned with the Giants is their defense. Like their offense, whether it's Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, shouldn't pose a threat. Certainly not more of a threat than this uh, Jaguars team. The Ravens just held to 14 points. And no Joe Burrow for Cincinnati. And no, well, maybe Joe Mixon will be back. I, f- I forget what his timetable is, but probably it not. doesn't matter. He'll have been off for so long. <laughs> it's like, why, why would they even bring him back at that point? So yeah, I think it's kind of risky considering just the fact that you need to win these last two games. And if there's even a slight misstep, then the season's done. It doesn't matter what these other tiebreakers are that we're looking like happens there. But I agree that on the surface, we're talking about how Matt Abuke has stepped up and you still got Wolf and Williams out there. Yeah, I mean, we might be able to afford Campbell sitting out and the defense not miss a beat. Yeah. Jimmy Smith, too. I, I don't at first we thought you know it was like was a shoulder or like a groin injury or something then he left the Browns game he looked pretty good in the early part of the Browns game and then he left with whatever injury and now he's hurt again yeah. that's super unfortunate Peter I feel like you jinxed him because that one time you were like I'm gonna watch him play because I haven't paid attention and now he hasn't played at all yeah <laughs> gosh that's right he hasn't played a full game since I, I don't think so we're not paying enough attention Jimmy Smith man I should have known better. Gosh. <laughs> oh man, that's okay. but yeah, it's yeah, that's that's fine. Hopefully, hopefully he can get healthy. We just we gotta have some corners stay together, man. It's just it's it's really unfortunate that we've got some guys who can play, and, and we know that they've you know contributed. Like Averett, you know, has, was a solid contributor before his injury, but then you know he was back, and then he had an injury, missed a week, and now he's back again. So hopefully he's healthy. But then other guys like Tremont Williams and Harris and and Desir, like. We don't even know if they can play because they haven't really had enough play time. So, yeah, I think that's our big that's our biggest question mark on defense right now is like, okay, can these corners get healthy? Can we actually like have guys play for more than a week at a time? I think that's going to be the key is if can we play the our defense the way we want to play defense? Cuz I think you know, we've we've seen some things now where like you know, our safeties are good, but they're not great, and I feel like the more we ask of them to try and cover larger part of the fields to cover for some of these corners. I'm not sure if that's really going to go into where we want to play. Yeah, I think you put that really well, Chris. I think we saw earlier in the year when the defense is clicking, we can ask the safety to, to do things that they're very comfortable with and can succeed at. But if we do need to lean on them more for coverage responsibilities, we've seen where that breaks down. And uh, I think that's a really good observation. I also think, when it comes to Averett, I saw a couple good pass breakups in this game and some good coverages from him. So he definitely seemed to be playing well. I thought Tremont Williams played a good game. And uh, unfortunately, Harris got hurt. So didn't really get to see him on defense this game. Yeah, Tremont had that excellent pass breakup in the end zone. That was a really fantastic play from him. He's got some surprising speed for being how old he is. I was actually really surprised at how fast he was running around. You know, yep. guys like Derek Carr, even though we were, you know, everyone here loved Derek Carr. He's a great player for us for the four years that we were here. But, you know, I, I couldn't say that he was a really fast player near the tail end of his career. I just don't think he had that top end speed. But Tremont, like, he made some couple plays where I'm just like, I, I, I didn't know you could move this fast. <laughs> he's like 38, 39. He's like, he's, he's not a young guy. But, uh, you know, one thing I was a little surprised about, and, and, uh, maybe, you know, when I say this, it, it maybe isn't so surprising, but Marlon Humphrey, you know, we know he's a rock. We know he's a fantastic player, but he is getting picked on a little bit. You know, I think he gave up that one touchdown. And, you know, overall, I think, you know, he's, he's tackling fairly well, but still there are occasionally some plays I think he can get picked on a little bit. And, 
you know, I know it's not entirely his fault, but it's still, you know, a little bit concerning, I think. Yeah, I would say that. And it's, as we've talked about, it wasn't just this game. It's been a trend. He uh, gave up a touchdown early against Dallas. I believe he gave up a touchdown against Cleveland as well. I'm blanking, though, on the exact play because there were so many touchdowns in that game. <laughs> but, yeah, he... He's not killing the Ravens secondary, though, which I think is, is one way we have to look at it, is that he's not, he's far from a liability. He's playing yeah. well. Yeah. We've seen him play better, um, and maybe it is injuries. Maybe it's lingering COVID symptoms I'm, or long-term effects from COVID because, I mean, there's still so little we know about that and recovery from that. But I think it's definitely something to look at, and especially with all these injuries, Marlon has to take on a bigger role in these last few weeks than he really has in the past where he really has to be the best secondary piece there and there's some holes so he's got to make sure that his area of the field is shirt up yeah I mean he's got to be on his a game for sure I, I will say not all bad I mean there was that fantastic play by Chark it was just like an amazingly like high thrown ball and Chark made a fantastic play to try and go get that. And Humphrey, you know, he was in great position and made a really good play on the ball, but Chark just made a, an even better play. And, you know, one of those, like, you can't blame Humphrey for that. But there were were a handful of other plays where you're like, eh, Humph, you know, Marlo, you can step up a little bit there. You know, you, you've made those plays kind of plays before. Yeah, I think it wasn't a perfect game from him, but looking at the snap counts now, and actually it was him, Averett, they both played 100%, and then... Traymond Williams had 74% of the snaps. That's it. Those are the only corners that we had all game long. So we never were in the dime. It was only nickel packages for us. And I think we're asking him to probably play slot in a couple of those situations, right? Uh, Which isn't his best position. And overall, I'm just glad that he's healthy, (laughs) right? I'm just glad that we have him. Um, I was wearing his number. And definitely, he had a couple times where he made good plays, too. I think one guy I really want to talk about, you know, probably had the best game of his career, Patrick Queen. He looked, even though he didn't have maybe the splash plays that uh, we have seen in previous games, I think he had one of the most technically sound games. And as he begins to progress, I think it really opens up a lot for this defense. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't sell him short. I mean, he had some splash plays, right? I mean, he ended with a sack and three tackles for loss. I mean, oh yeah, sure. Were, yeah, I mean those. I mean those are good. I mean, yeah, maybe it wasn't like the fumble recovery for a touchdown that he had against uh, the Bengals, I believe. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, that's fine. He's still, he's still. Or the best hands catch of the game. That's uh, right. He got the interception. That's right. And I started rooting before. for him to make uh, tight end contributions. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> play both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the play that you were talking about though with the technically sound part. I remember. I remember. Uh, point this out and we were talking about this when the game happened of uh, there was one I think it was a run I guess it was a run play in particular I, I guess Queen must have noticed some some shift on the O-line and, and basically was just telling Matabuke to be like move over move over like swap spots or something and that play got me really excited because I'm like okay Queen's starting to put together some of the play recognition stuff like he knew where the ball was going to go and he was right in that particular play he was definitely right he moved Matabuke over and then Queen basically crashed down into the guard and you know, they met the running back right there, Robinson, and, and basically held him, I think, for no gain. I don't, I don't know if it was a tackle for a loss, but at least it was no gain. And, uh, yeah, it's like one of those things, like, one, like, he recognized the play. Two, he didn't get pushed back by the guard, which was another thing to also notice because we've talked about that where he, he just doesn't have that grown man strength yet. He's still kind of a rookie. 
but on that particular play, we we saw both those things. So that's that's super exciting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, breaking news. Do 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 do. Breaking news. The Ravens Pro Bowl selections came in. We've got Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell, Orlando Brown Jr., Judon, Ricard, Tucker, and Cox. I feel like there's a name missing, <laughs> but okay, sounds good. Wow, Chuck Clark, <laughs> Lamar Jackson. No, <laughs> Lamar. <laughs> I can't believe Lamar's not on this list. Who's, so, who, so who are the oh. other two two QBs? No, is it, is I don't. It, I don't. Josh Allen yes, and uh, probably and Allen Mahomes. Mahomes. It's got to be Allen Mahomes and Roethlisberger. I'm, I mean, Homer pick Lamar, sure, but I, you got to put all three of those guys. I was expecting the fan vote to get all three of those guys. Roethlisberger, over Jackson. Come on, I wouldn't. Do, I wouldn't do Roethlisberger. Come on. No, I no, I wouldn't. But I'm saying, <laughs> if you if you're looking at this from an outside Ravens fan perspective, like Roethlisberger had had an incredible comeback year, and he's leading the team that won 11 straight. Of course, we all know, you know, that they're phonies. not really as good as their record. They're really but, phonies. Oh, the Watson was the third. I would also put Watson unbiasedly over Jackson as well. I what? think Jackson is fifth. Are you kidding me? Really? I, I, I'm I, talking about, look, I'm talking about what I would think the average NFL fan would think. And I oh. I look at Lamar Jackson's season as an, if I'm not someone who's watching the games in and out, I would probably mostly look at his numbers and, and yeah. the highlights. And if you look at that, yeah. People overdraft him in fantasy are pissed off that yeah. he hasn't had this crazy year. And it turns out Watson, in garbage time, has been getting you a bunch of points. This is not the way you evaluate a player's performance, guys. Like, I love fantasy more right. than anybody, but you don't... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. That's my argument. My argument isn't necessarily saying, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting argument here to say, does Jackson deserve it over, over one of those three, Mahomes, Roethlisberger and Allen from a unbiased perspective. But I think the average NFL fan who's not watching the Ravens games thinks that Lamar regressed this season, where in reality it's, he's has improved in some areas. It's just that, you know, the Ravens, you know, for one reason or another, haven't <laughs> had the giant offensive explosions until this point at this season. Yeah. My totally biased take is that Watson has looked like hot garbage every time he's played the Ravens. So I don't think he's that good. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Watson has never looked anything better than never. Like some fifth round pick who should be happy that he's on an NFL team against the Ravens, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh. Which is a shame. Like we said, at some point, in both these guys' careers, we need to have a shootout between Lamar and Deshaun because both those guys are so electric and it'd be such a great game, but it just hasn't hasn't come yet. Houston hasn't showed up. Yeah. I mean, I think Allen and Mahomes is very deserved. They had great years, and I totally understand that. I, I, I do take a little bit of problem with Lamar, but hopefully that just gets him hungry, a little chip on his shoulder. And I don't want to take away from Marlon Humphrey, Clayus Campbell, which is kind of a little bit surprising. I mean, he had a really good beginning of the year, just but given his injuries and stuff. Orlando Brown, which I think is actually the biggest like reward winner here, um, because yeah. he's been yeah. absolutely critical to our success. Judon kind of surprises me. I think that's kind of name recognition. Not that I say he has had a horrible year. It's just I feel like there might be better picks. Ricard's at easy, Tucker easy, and Cox easy. I'm so glad Tucker got in. I was not. I was not going to allow Rodrigo Blankenship to win the <laughs> fan vote from the Pro Bowl. Like, come on, <laughs> come hey. on. He might be Golden Chip, but not not over Tucker. Like you know, I, I, I respect the glasses. Like I'm not saying he's a bad player, but like, come on, come on. Yeah, 100 percent agree. Oh, I just thought of another snub, and you guys are gonna hate me for saying this. I I think that 
over Watson. I think also you got to put Ryan Tannehill in the discussion for the AFC in Pro Bowl. Mm. Obviously, we hate the Titans, no, but I, I think I, Ryan Tannehill I, has done I pretty well. I don't, uh, I don't know about that. Corey Davis has been having a pretty good season this year. Like one of his, probably one of his best seasons. I think that, he's been oh, playing pretty well. That plays best. Um, yeah, and, and he's got AJ Brown. I definitely agree with you. I know you said before, Peter, that he's had he's you you thought he was a one year wonder. I think this year has proven that he's not right. He's he's actually he's a pretty good player, and I think the Titans found yeah. a gem, you know, in that quarterback. But I don't know if he's top three, top four. I will say Mahomes yeah. has Hill and Kelsey. If we want to, if we want to invalidate because that's of the supporting cast. But I do I do get what you're saying too. <laughs> Mahomes a magician yeah. though. I think right. <laughs> Mahomes also has no running game and. Uh, Tannehill has the human cheat code at running back, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, another stiff arm for Mister uh, right. <laughs> King Henry. But anyways, enough of the breaking news. I'm sorry to distract, but I had to bring it up, particularly when I saw I double checked. I was like, Lamar Jackson did not make it. Wow. Well, all I know is this: it's okay that the Ravens were not selected to the Pro Bowl as many as we might have hoped because none of them are going to play in it anyways. We'll go to the ship. Well, actually, no one's playing it anyway, right? I thought I saw that it's going to be on Madden. Oh, oh, for real? <laughs> They're not doing. There's not going to be a physical game this year. I guess I that, that makes sense. This, that, yeah. yeah, that checks out. Also, they have a ty- NFL.com as a typo in Orlando Brown's name. It's just Orland Brown. That's very confusing. Come on, Orlando is not an uncommon name. Come on. Also, guys. Marquise Pouncey again <laughs> for center. Come on. All right, I'm done with this. Let's go back to defense. <laughs> <laughs> Pro Bowl is, it was supposed to be a star-studded event in Vegas, but the 2021 Pro Bowl will be players going head-to-head in Madden 21. There we go. With Lamar Jackson on the cover. This is even another outrageous point. <laughs> Look, I understand he hasn't had as good of a year, but I think you're kidding yourself if you don't put him in the top three. Just saying. All right. I agree with Chris. Let's get back to defense. <laughs> Let's get back to defense. What were we saying? Queen, good game. Yeah? <laughs> Feels good? Absolutely. Yes, he is growing as a rookie. I think some of the criticisms he got in the first half of the season were deserved, and he's still making some rookie mistakes, but the guy's young. He's young for a rookie, too. Isn't he only 21? I thought he came yeah. out a year early from college. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to take him a little longer to get ready. But as we keep saying over and over, the athleticism is there, and as he gets, you know, he's in a great sit- situation a team that knows defense, has a huge history of knowing defense and coaching up linebackers. Queen's going to be just fine. The question isn't, is he going to be good? It's how good is he going to be? And this is another, game was another great step in that direction. I also wanted to bring up, I mean, we, we already spoke about how Yannick had a nice game against his formal team, but I really appreciated the fact of where it happened on the field. They were almost about to score. That was their best drive all game long. They were methodically going down the field, down the field, down the field, and I thought they were going to score. I thought they were going to make it a little bit more interesting of a game, keep Lamar Jackson in the game. But then, boom, Yannick is able to get that sack, fumble, and the red zone attempt is over, comes out with zero points. And of course, Lamar came back out. Uh, (laughs) I was hoping they'd be out after that one, but uh, my DFS lineup benefited from one more touchdown. Yeah, I, I know you were calling for Huntley a little bit sooner than uh, than even I expected, but but uh, yeah, no, that was a it was, it was a great play by Yannick. The Cleveland game, man. That's all I have to say. I didn't forget about that Cleveland game last time, where everyone on the final drive that the Ravens kept people in got hurt. Yeah, ain't trying to have that happen again. No yep. sir. 
well sadly i think the ravens are gonna have to play out all their uh all their games this year so there's gonna be no no controversy over we're gonna rest <laughs> players because now we just gotta win baby <laughs> yeah no choice hey whatever like i said i, I think this is a good situation for the Ravens as long as it all works out. This will be fine. Demanding the best, and we'll have to get the best. We held James Robinson to 2.2 yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's definitely something that we should say, especially after, you know, the run defense did fine, but certainly, you know, both especially Chubb, but Kareem Hunt as well were able to get some running lanes in the Cleveland game. It was very good for the Ravens to bounce back and stop a guy who's been one of the better running backs in the league this year. Oh yeah, they were definitely shutting him down. I think most of the yards that he saw were in that one drive where it ended in the Onik fumble. The otherwise would have been probably his best drive. Obviously, he did score a touchdown on a beautifully ran and executed play. Uh, that wheel route, I know that we were talking that maybe Queen could have taken better coverage there, but I think it's one of those plays that's really hard to defend even if you play it perfectly. Yeah, you just got to give some respect to to Minshew there. That was a good play. Jaguars didn't have very many good plays in the game, so when they did make one, you just got to say, you know what? You stop them pretty much everything else they did. Every now and you know these guys are still NFL players. They're still able to to do that. So, yeah, that's a play that's going to happen every now and again. Yeah, Eifert had another really fantastic grab over the middle as well. That was another one. Man, I feel for Gardner Minshew, man. He's, I mean, he's he's not like you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but I've always kind of like I've liked his play. I, I think he's a good player. I mean, even at the end of the day, I mean, look, he finished twenty two for twenty nine for two hundred twenty six yards and two touchdowns. Like that's not a bad game at all. Like that's a really good game. He's very efficient with the football. I mean, he took a couple sacks, but I mean, I don't know if those are entirely his fault. But you know, it's it's a shame now that the uh, the Jags are in the front row seat for Trevor Lawrence. I don't really know how much longer he's going to be a starting quarterback. And I feel like he deserves another shot. I don't know. The football team still has an opening at quarterback. <sighs> Do they ever? Maybe it could go there. <laughs> so bad. That's right. I haven't seen a mustache like that since the Fu Manchu. It's just got to stick around, right? <laughs> hey, maybe now that Huntley's film's out there. Yikes. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. <laughs> All right, so I think that's pretty much all we can say about what was a dominant performance by the defense, but equally as dominant was the 40 points the Ravens put up on offense. We were expecting a lot of offense, and the Ravens picked up exactly where they left off against Cleveland. Three touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown for Lamar. He did have that interception early on, but it just felt like, you know, whatever the Ravens wanted to do offensively in this game, they were going to do it. And Jacksonville couldn't stop it. Everything but have Lamar Jackson rush the football. Right. That was the only thing that they shut down. (laughs) (laughs) We have it here in the notes that the the Jaguars' defensive game plan was step one, stop Lamar from rushing. Step two, profit with a question mark. And then we have a note here that the narrator said... They did not profit, which is basically exactly what happened. They, they, They... Man, it was... Not working early for Lamar. They had a lot of uh, design runs, and Jacksonville was bottling them up. But whenever the Ravens gave the ball to J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards or went through the air, it was a completed play. <laughs> yeah, and saying that Lamar Jackson was stopped is mainly because if you take away his 18-yard run, which is the only time he really saw daylight, the man only ran for 17 yards on nine attempts. So, yeah, he was getting bottled up quite consistently otherwise. But to your point, 
the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons that the running backs have such great success whenever they get the ball is because eight's back there given a little bit of an option, right? And we saw time and time again, I think that the jet motion that they do with Dobbins is one of the best play calls found in the second half of the year. This is, you see that guy's speed on display and you just have your jaw drop. You start salivating. Like, Dude, he's the so guy fast. can play. He's and then so he can, fast. And he can cut too, man. He can dig that f- stop foot in and then just go. Lose no speed whatsoever and just boop right down the field. Uh, yeah, we got ourselves a special one. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it, going back to like the you know 2018 offense, which was like Gus, run up the middle, Lamar, outside runs. And that was it. And even 2019, that was like mostly the formula, right? Lamar would always go outside, running back would go up inside. Now at Dobbins, you don't have that anymore. You don't have to do that. He can run in between the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. But yeah, man, you're right. Those sweet plays, oh my goodness. Those Jags linebackers just could not get to him fast enough. There were several plays in that. He would just run that and, and get upfield so quickly. It's just amazing. And just outruns them. Like other running backs, like let's say Le'Veon Bell, right? Le'Veon Bell in his advanced age, he's lost a step for sure. And he cannot do that corner. But you just see Dobbins just be like, I am faster than you. I am going to like outrun you. I'm going to out-effort you to that sideline. I'm going to get those three yards. I'm going to get the first down. And we leaned on this play in high leverage situations. We did last week. We did this week. And I'm loving it. Like that's one of the best things we've seen. And also when you have that working, boom, play action. We did way more play action this game. And it showed. It actually worked out great. What a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we have to give some credit to Greg Roman because obviously everyone's been all over this guy all year. But yeah, that's a play that wasn't if at least if that was in the, the playbook in the early in the season, the Ravens weren't running it. So that's I'm assuming something that we they've seen can work as the years progressed. And we've seen that play. We've seen some additional new wrinkles in this offensive unit enough to make the offense not as predictable as it was. At least I would say. But there was a lot of good coming out of, of that play, like you said. And like, was there anyone on the offense who had a bad game against? Jacksonville? I don't think we can say that. I mean, I think the only person upset was Snead, who after the game was like, I guess I don't need to be used unless it's against a good team. <laughs> I think, yeah, you're right. Everyone did have a good game. I mean, we saw Ricard be a grown-ass man the first time uh, of the game. He just <laughs> carried a guy for yards. I love seeing that 300-pound guy run. It's so funny. And heck, even uh, Phillips had one of the plays of the game. <laughs> He's our new uh, goal line back. <laughs> guy just trucking everybody to get the first down on what looked to be a broken third down play. Yeah, that was an uh, embarrassing play for uh, for Miles Jack, former former guy that the you know the Ravens were looking at in defense back when in that draft. But I mean, in fairness to Jack, like Ricard's like at least twenty pounds larger than, than most linebackers. Jack himself is an undersized linebacker, but still, <laughs> Ricard is not an easy guy to tackle when he gets the ball in his hands, but. Yeah, man, that Phillips play. Is he okay, though? I mean, because he got hurt after that run. It was an incredible run. but yeah, he, he got a concussion, but I, I don't know. Or they were evaluating for a concussion. I don't think he has one. They didn't say. I don't, I, I don't know if they've confirmed that, yeah. He got the game ball. Yeah, it's, it sounded like he was able to walk off under his own power. We just didn't see it on the on yeah. the cast. Yeah, hopefully he's well. Hopefully his brain's uh, doing okay. And that, uh, you know, we are able to see him. You know, contribute next week uh, against the Giants and maybe get some snaps in a tackle again like he saw this game. He seemed to be better this game. He didn't seem to get blown up. That could be the opponent, 
right? But um, I definitely was happy to see that, you know, it wasn't at least negative plays, at least from my vision. Yeah. Yeah, we did We did talk about that in the preview episode for this game, which was that the if the Ravens' offensive line couldn't go, couldn't keep Lamar upright against this team that going into the game had only 16 sacks on the season, which I did look it up, was only three or four off the mark for least amount of sacks acquired by a defense this season, uh, then it wasn't going to be good. It could give us a lot of confidence in this team going forward. But yeah, only one sack and no yards lost on that sack. So yeah, really couldn't have asked much better from the offensive line for what they did. That's exactly what you wanted to see. You wanted to see them dominate and have a perfect performance against a team that uh, was inferior. Definitely. And I think we saw some really good improvement in the past game, not just from Lamar throwing the ball, which he, he had another good game, in my opinion. You know, you don't want to see the interception. You want to see that thrown better. But otherwise, a really good game from him. We saw him hit Marquise Brown on a 44-yard long bomb to the left-hand side, which if you saw the graphic I retweeted earlier in the week, that his, the left side is easily his worst side. Passing the ball and the left deep routes are the worst period quadrant and he delivered there it was a perfect ball i think the broadcaster said it perfectly could you imagine throwing the ball 45 yards down the field into a trash can and that's exactly what lamar jackson did that ball was perfectly placed so that marquis get right under it and gets a big gain yeah it was a really fantastic play <laughs> now that you just said that i'm reminded of, of the of his pro bowl performance last year where <laughs> he didn't seem to hit a lot of trash cans <laughs> which is unfortunate but uh but but he hit it this time in the game, and that's when it counted. So you know we're we're all good. We're all good. I, I, I don't care. We we don't need to see Lamar throw things into trash cans. So I, that's <laughs> that's a stupid thing anyway. <laughs> but now, yeah, I, I mean the pass game looked pretty good. You know, I, I thought there was a lot to take away from this. You know, a lot a lot of things that were good, man. I mean, overall, I thought it was a really good balance game. I mean, we were running the ball really well, a lot of different ways. You know, Dobbins was doing really well on the outside runs. You know, Edwards still had was, was still. Uh, pretty good running the ball inside and uh pass game was just really opened up I mean we got a lot of people involved I mean it, it looked early that we were maybe trying to overforce the ball to, to Marquise but honestly at the end of the game I mean he almost ended up with 100 yards I mean he definitely delivered this game I think he looked pretty good uh we had that touchdown to Boykin in the end zone holy crap he showed some uh some ups to get up there that was a fantastic catch by him and 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 Mr. Des Bryant finally getting involved too so uh, overall, it was it was a really good game for the for the past game. Yeah, we had Mark Andrews get a touchdown as well, uh, and which you know he's had a couple this year, but still worth a mention. And we even had a, a deep route run there by Gus Edwards, thirty four yard catch in traffic. That was a <laughs> we're turning Gus into the, into a receiver. Yeah, that was cool. And I, I want to point out that wasn't necessarily the play they did it on. But they were starting to use a little bit more of the running backs in the flat. And I think that's useful because if we have the running back there, it gives another usually it gives another option for Lamar, right? It's like if they come up to attack him on the scramble, boom, they just gave a bunch of yards to the running back. And if they don't come up, well, then Lamar's going to run all over you and the running back's there to get a nice uh, block in. So definitely good to see. I also was 
just losing my mind when I saw the levels concept. They finally got Lamar out of the pocket. He had multiple levels of the same route, essentially, and just trying to find the open spot in the defense. And he was able to deliver to Marquise. So, yeah, I mean, this was the game we were looking for for Marquise, in my opinion. Like, this could be a, a Hollywood game, even though he didn't have a touchdown. He had a couple big plays. He drew PIs. And uh, it was uh, exactly what you wanted. I mean, seven targets, six catches. I'm, I'm happy with that. He can do that every game. Yeah, it was really good. Going back to some of the new wrinkles that I think that Roman's added, it, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people listen to this and be like, "Well, how do how the heck did it take Roman this long to f- figure some of this stuff out?" Because yeah, the running backs in the flat. When I saw that play, I'm like, "We don't run this play. Like this was not in our playbook." <laughs> it was either Lamar finds somebody open down the field, or he scrambles for five seconds and then finds somebody open, or he runs for eight yards. <laughs> There's never anybody in the backfield. But yeah, we had a couple of plays where I think Dobbins would kind of be waiting in the flat and then he would pick up the yards. It's like, we don't need Lamar to do that. We, we've got these perfectly dynamic players over here that could do that for us. But uh, that was good. Uh, the other thing that, you know, I, I'm sure we've seen a few other times, but, you know, maybe it's just this game I was kind of picking up on it a little bit more, but we were seeing more of these two running back, uh, you know, three receivers, two running back formations. And it wasn't Ricard, but we'd have Edwards and Dobbins in the same place. And I don't know if they were always targeted, but it was really kind of cool to have, you know, the the different creativity that we have. Usually have, you know, one guy maybe going in motion, uh, the other guy sort of staying in the flat, maybe running a route or something like that. But having all three of those running backs on the same field, well, two running backs and then Lamar Jackson on the field at the same time, you know, you, you got to think that, that, you know, there might be some plays there that uh, could be exploited in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I started to see him doing it maybe two, three weeks ago, more consistently, having Dobbins line up as a wide receiver. And we even saw this game, him be motioned in to become a new blocker. Um, you know, th- these are good developments. This is uh, the creativity we need out of Greg Roman, and it's the execution that we'll need going into the playoffs. This is good. This is all really promising. And yes, Jacksonville. They did exactly what you wanted. They dominated. They're not that great of a defense, but the concepts are there. And I think these concepts will work against the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think I want to say it was a Tennessee game. Where I think where we started seeing these uh, these plays with with multiple backs in the backfield. But what we're saying here is is really you know they have some new concepts, and I think they're being introduced at the right time. You know, we've talked about how last year the Ravens were white hot coming out of the bye week against New England, had all those games already just steamrolling opponents. And then as the playoffs approached, they were still doing well, but they were starting to sputter a bit and then came out flat against Tennessee. And we talked about how this team really wants to avoid peaking too early. And maybe that's part of what's been going on with this offense. And and Romans had this stuff ready for a while, but they were trying to figure out when's the exact most strategic time to implement it so that there's not too much film out on it for teams to prepare against, but still enough time for them to, you know, introduce those concepts. So it's not too late in the season. One could argue with the Ravens one game behind the playoff hunt that it's maybe they waited too long, but (laughs) if you, if (laughs) if they took care of business against Pittsburgh or Tennessee or both, you know, then (laughs) they're not in this situation. And those games, I think they could have won without these concepts anyway, but as Alex said, as long as the Ravens take care of business these next two games and at least one of the teams where the Ravens need to lose a game are able to do that and 
complete their end of the bargain. Ravens are set up great for the playoffs. Well put, Peter. And I think the the key thing, too, is just remember where we were a couple weeks ago. We had lost Stanley for the year. We had lost Boyle for the year. We've had lots of people injured. We've had a COVID outbreak. We've had a lot of things stacked against us this year that were kind of quick to forget that caused that slide in the middle of the season. That just like it was just difficult for this team to produce and and create the opportunities that we need. And while it's not ideal to be asking somebody to lose to get into the playoffs, as long as that happens, it all worked out, <laughs> right? And if it doesn't work out, I honestly would still be just as proud as this team because at this point, you know. Obviously, there were wins that they should have had. Absolutely, right? Like, no question they should have beat the hapless New England Patriots. They're not a good team. The other losses, eh, okay, right? Like, uh, more understandable. But that one hurt really bad, and just, it sucks. But it's okay. I th- Honestly, at this point, I am very comfortable with however the season goes. I think they played their hearts out. I think they're rallying at the right points, and... We have a lot to be proud of of this team. And I think going forward, you know, I'm excited no matter what happens. Yeah, well said. I guess with that, you guys want to go and uh, give out our MVPs for the week? Yeah. I'll go ahead and start. You know, he only had one catch for four yards, but it was a good one. And he had a good target where he almost completely turned around his body and caught the ball. It wasn't a well-placed ball. But I'm going to say Miles Boykin had a good game, and I'm going to give him the MVP here. Even though, like, obviously not, like, the best player on the field. But we got to keep seeing these kind of things. You know, his his number wasn't called upon often, right? And there's not that much time in this offense for the wide receivers to get that kind of volume. But I, I do think that he's making progressions. And I think it's a little too soon to say that they're busts, both for him and Marquise Brown. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely think that, that both these guys have definitely feel more confident about Brown than Boykin have a place in future Ravens offenses. I think there's just a question of where they would line up on a depth chart as the seasons progress. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to pick an MVP for this game just because it was such a great team effort of just everyone having smash games and just giving Jacksonville no chance of winning this game. But I think I am going to give it to Patrick Queen for my MVP for this week. For the reasons that you guys already said earlier, just what an overall game he had from a fundamental perspective. And I think the key to stopping this Jaguars offense is, you know, make sure James Robinson doesn't get rolling. And they bottled him up. And that meant that the Ravens didn't have to worry about the Jaguars coming back and could just just worry about executing on offense and getting out of there with a win. Yeah. Nice. I'll wrap up. Actually, I don't think we mentioned his name, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Brandon Williams, I thought, had a really good game. You know, again, you know, having to step in and, and, and kind of play up because Calais was not playing. I did a heck of a job bottling up James Robinson, who's, you know, right now pretty much the, the only thing on the Jags offense that is even consistent. A really, really great player in this league who's probably going to be a good player for a long time. And uh, I think a lot of that was, was on Brandon Williams and the other guys on the line. Yeah, great choice. And I, I, I hate that we forgot to bring him up, but LJ Fort, man, I'm sorry you didn't get that pick. I'm sorry you didn't get the pick six. It's a real shame. I don't think that was that a kind sucks. of soft. It was yeah. a soft call on uh, on Ferguson and and just like, ugh. Man, I would have I would have almost had score prediction on the dot if that one happened. 
because it would have been like it was like forty seven to seven, yeah. I think. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But hey, in a <sighs> game full of positives, I guess we can allow it. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Ravens Recap. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and start talking about the New York Giants. So make sure you tune into that episode. You can follow us at Ravens underscore recap or email us at feedback at ravensrecap.com. We're super excited about this team. I think that's pretty evident in the last recording. Let's see how they keep stacking wins against the Giants. Oh, yeah.